What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? We are back. This is New York City meets Bama. I'm your host, Chris Merriman, with... Katerina. We all know being an entrepreneur is hard. It comes with lots of mental challenges and confidence struggles. For me, I've dealt with imposter syndrome and found that talking to someone has helped me find myself and strengthen my confidence. It can be difficult to navigate it on your own. Now, because of professional therapists, you don't have to. And that's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp can give you tools to approach your life in a very different way. No matter where you are, you can talk to a professional therapist that fits your unique needs and an affordable cost. Just fill out a few questions and BetterHelp can match you to a professional therapist in just days. Put yourself first and use BetterHelp services today and you will receive 10% off your first month of BetterHelp. Use the link in the description below this show. You deserve to be happy too. Use the link betterhelp.com slash NYC meets Bama. Again, betterhelp, H-E-L-P slash NYC meets Bama. BetterHelp wants all of you to be as successful as possible and help you reach your fullest potential. Connect with the therapist today. We have a special guest on the day, Chris Abazis. I hope I say his last name right. I think I've been saying it wrong for like three years. But Abazis, it's okay. But I, you know, I appreciate you for getting all the letters in there. I mean, that, that's a great start. <laughs> in Alabama, it sounds different. I'm just going to tell you. I'd much rather be a merry man <laughs> than Abazis. So here we are. So are you guys in Alabama right now? Yeah. We are. Oh, I guess that would be kind of you got that deer skull on the wall in the back. Um, nice. That's not a New York City type of thing. Nope. Interesting. No. Yeah, I see the blue walls in the back. You must be in South Florida, huh? We are. You know, we sold the place in Jupiter that you came and visited. I'm glad you got there before we sold it. We bought another one a little bit north of that in Hutchinson Island. So we're on the ocean. So, yeah, I'm not at my normal home base, but it's wonderful that we get to work wherever we go. So, you know, I mean, as you guys do, I travel a lot yeah. for work, and I get to do these things wherever I go. So here I am. Yeah, kind of uh, we're in a, the little beach condo, which you must awesome. come for a visit. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome, man. We have Chris. Chris, what all would you say you do? I know you work with realtors. I know you've seen you build up many funnels and CRMs and do a lot of business sculpting and things like that. So what is your specialty? I, I do everything that has to do with talking. It's funny because then people say, man, there's just something that you don't do. And I said, well, when I break it down, so I'm a speaker and a coach, and uh, I talk on the three L's, language, leadership and leverage. I think everything kind of boils down to that and language, how you communicate is so important and that expands past your personal life and your business world into how are you communicating to the masses when we talk about things like social media, which Anna Katarina is very familiar with that. And, you know, in leadership, I mean, everything rises and falls on leadership where none of us succeeds alone. And, uh, you know, talk to people about, you know, showing up as a leader in their lives and their worlds, as well as in organizations, building organizations that people want to work with, that people want to utilize. And that's kind of where leverage comes in. And leverage is in three forms, systems, tools, and people. Systems is how you do things. Tools is what you do it with, which you were talking about, the technology and all that kind of stuff. And then people is who does it. Like we were talking about your VA is doing some things. So here we are. You have a system of this podcast and, you know, and then you have a tool that you're using, this Riverside, right? And then you have a person that's kind of doing a thing. So it's that's all I'm a student of everything business, but ultimately I'm motivated by 
free time and wanting to live a life that I love and that's why I get along with that's why I get along with Paul so well cuz we're <laughs> kind of cut from the same cloth you know and so let's have a let's have a great life and a great business and have a great time doing it so that's my passion just having a good time experience no matter what you do yeah that's how every time I've been around you like it's always enjoyable nothing's overly critical or anything like that it's just like hey let's do our work and let's go party yeah, that's it. Yeah, let's do the work, right? I remember you were over at my house, and uh, I had a role play call, and I'm like, hey, do you want to pop onto the role play call? It just happened, somebody was asking about something about investors. I'm like, I've got a guy here. Come and do it. So I think when you leave space in your life and room for magic moments to happen like that, you get really cool stuff. And that's why I appreciated you guys asking me to be on this. I mean, when I do mine, people are always like, what questions are you going to ask me? I'm like, well, no, we don't do that. We're, it's not going to be what questions we ask you. We're just going to talk about you and the magic you're producing. So just Absolutely, you, yeah. this is kind of the space. So tell, what do you guys got going on here? This is a New York City meets Bama. What an interesting dichotomy of things. Yeah, so the way this all got started was obviously the way me and Kat met all the way across the world. We ended up meeting each other at a mastermind type event. So I was like, well, if we take this same ideology and produce a podcast with it, we'll bring all the entrepreneurs from around the world to everyone. So, same concept. We're going to go out and find all the best. Just count yourself in, Chris. Sure. And we're going to bring it to the people because, you know, there's a lot to offer out there and just a lot of people don't know what's available because it's it's hard to find everybody. It's hard to get everybody centralized and get them on the camera. That's true. You know, it's and talking about entrepreneurs and one of the things that we learn in masterminds, right, is the amazing thing is hearing about everybody's failures because very rarely do you does somebody go out there and they're so public about their failures. Everybody just looks like an overnight success. They don't realize how much screwing up they had along the way, right? It's just and I think that's what's so good about bringing people together and having these candid conversations. It's like, "Oh, people I don't know if this happens. To, oh, it's oh, it's so easy for you to say that because I'm like, "No, no, no, hold on a second. The reason why I say this thing so well is because I've said it thousands of times and screwed up along the way so yes. um, and i think we've all experienced that yeah, it's like paul says you know he i hear him say trust the process and i agree with that but i hear other mentors say love the process i'm like it's easy to say love the process whenever you're a master at it but other people are still getting kicked in the face they probably don't love it yet yeah. <laughs> well it's like getting comfortable being uncomfortable it's like That's can true. i love this process and understanding that elongating it the part of it is not going to be so enjoyable and i think when you're truly passionate about something and you start a business it's really that pa- like that brings you through the tough times it's real easy to quit when it's tough but it's really having an understanding man this is all part of it and you can kind of grow an appreciation for that pain it's like when you work out right you lift weights when you feel that burn it's not physically comfortable but when you associate that burn with growth then you start to crave the burn right right that's a yeah as humans i think we're always searching for something like that some sort of growth and if you're not you're dying So with the three L's, what do you do for clients with language? Obviously, you're a strong public speaker, right? I've heard you speak before. One, it's hilarious. I don't know how you just go from so serious to a joke. and Everybody's cutting up the whole time. But with clients, do you teach them how to produce better language and, and do better speaking? Yeah, well, it's so there's a lot of stuff with regards to language. And uh, so it's one of the things is, you know, kind of the conversations that we have with ourself and really understanding who you are and how do I occur to other people. And it's so in your business, in your life, I always say, if somebody was giving a eulogy for you, what would they say? And are we causing that to happen? Are people getting from us what tended to get from like so sometimes if people someone I've had my life where people are like, Hey, you're actually really nice in person. I thought you were really arrogant when I first met I'm like, Whoa, whoa, how'd I come off like that? That's man, I didn't want to come off like that at all as, as arrogant. And then, then I realized, and it causes you to like look at it. So in language, how are we communicating? And 
there's a book I really love in a class I, I got certified in. It's called Fierce Conversations. And uh, it talks about we're always just one conversation away from changing the trajectory of our business or our life. And there's different conversations we need to have. There's coaching conversations where we need to help people become better. And there's confrontation conversations where we need to discuss something sensitive. There's in leadership, there's how are we how are we communicating our standards? How are we communicating our marketing messages out there? How are we communicating? What are we saying in the stuff that we're putting out there in our written words, in our spoken words? And it's just so important. And I would say I'm not much of a salesperson. So I work a lot with salespeople and business people. And my whole thing is communicate your authenticity and make people want to work with you and buy from you rather than you having to sell them something. So it's I came onto the scene. I was the CEO of a company, a real estate company at 30 years old. I uh, ended up uh, recruited over 300 people to that office. I recruited over a thousand agents in my career. And I had this and I would started to get asked to speak. Hey, can you go talk about leadership? Can you go talk? And I would go, I would get hired to speak places. And then people would come up to me afterwards and say, Hey, I want more of what you're doing. And I said, well, I got nothing. And then my co I'm like, oh, give me your card. And when I have another thing, I'll invite you to it. And then my coach was like, you're going to have to get into coaching because people want, and I'm like, and I had that thing. What do you mean? Why do people want to hang out with me? Why do people want to know what I have to do? It's like, there's no new stuff out there. It's just, who am I going to get the information from? You know? So it's, am I going to get the information from this person or that person? It's like, look at how many different churches are out there. They're all speaking out of the same Bible. It's just people prefer to get their message from a different place. Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting thing. And it's kind of evolved over time into, you know, like the need that businesses has been. And a lot of businesses start out with great ideas and a lot of passion, and then they don't know where to go from there. So that's really, I'm passionate about helping people connect those dots. What do you need? Where are you now? Where are you going? And how can I help you close that gap? And sometimes it's some words, and sometimes it's recommending them to go somewhere else or a technology or talk to another person or be in another program that's really going to make the, be the difference maker. And I just consider myself the conduit, the catalyst in all those things. Yeah, back whenever you were working with the agency, how did you recruit so many agents? Like, what was there a process you, that you were taught or something that you created or, or what made you stand apart there? Because that's pretty impressive. Well, it's, you know, the interesting thing is, so in that community, I was a salesperson. I was a real estate salesperson before I took this leadership opportunity. So I already, it started off me doing things the right way as a salesperson. I was super cooperative. Everyone liked me and got along with me. So it was kind of easy when I now I was in this leadership position, I didn't have a whole lot of proving myself as a human being to do. I had proving myself as a leader, to prove myself as a leader, which did take time. But my focus was always what's in it for them. And I didn't look at recruiting as building my company. I looked at recruiting as offering someone else an opportunity to have a better business and a bigger life. And if that's, if you can't accomplish those things, then you're not a good fit. But if I could look at someone's business and say, man, if you're in my organization, I've got some tools and resources for you. You'd be able to make more money in less time, have a better life and have a better culture and a work environment. So it was, it's really easy to recruit people to that. And I say that people want to be in business with people. So it started, people wanted to be in business with me. And then the company I was with was great. And we had a lot of great tools. And then who did I start attracting? Great people. People that were not so serious and competitive. People that were nice to each other. People that cared about culture. People, and it's, there used to be naysayers. For, oh, you're, you guys are always doing charity events. If you're out, you guys are out oh, having picnics and hugging each other. You're going to forget to sell real estate. Well, we became the, we came to number two office in the county 
within two and a half years just by doing things that way. So there is a different way to do stuff. And I think it comes from, you know, being authentic. And I think that's really what attracted people to it. And then not changing the program. Sometimes people will tell you what you want to hear to get you somewhere and then change it around. Oh, this is not what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be great, great to work at this company. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's how I did it was just consistency and relatability and just doing the right thing over and over again. Yeah, your goal was to give them a, a better opportunity and you were helping support that, right? Like like an MLM has a downline and normally upline is always supporting the downline. Well, that obviously wasn't yeah. your structure, but you were supporting everybody that you brought in to help them get situated yeah. and get started. Yeah, exactly. It, it so, sounded like it everyone was also in the same community. Like they were the same person, mm. just all brought together. So. Yeah, it's like offering a breath of fresh air. Like, hey, this is exactly what I was looking for. And yeah. it's and I think that starts from a place of just realness. I'm. That's not something that you could fake. And I think being true to yourself, the mistakes a lot of entrepreneurs and business people make is they look at somebody else that's successful and they say, I want to be that person, right? So, hey, look at Tony Robbins. I want to be just like Tony Robbins. You're not Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins is great, but you're not Tony Robbins. So it's great to model yourself after what somebody in other business is doing, but what's your own uniqueness? What's like I say, the Chrisness, right? So, and a lot of the business people I work with, that's one of the things. It's like, okay, you told me what you do and you told me how you do it, but who are you in all this? How do you show up in all this, right? So, which is like the Maverick Universe, for example, do it different. I mean, like Paul was like, say, hey, Paul says, hey, I'm doing, I'm not going to be like those. I'm a little different. Instead of ignoring that, embracing it, you know, and saying, we do things different. And I think that's the thing that a lot of businesses and entrepreneurs are failing to communicate. And that's where, that's where it goes in the language. Are you in touch with who that is in you? And are you communicating that effectively to the world out there? Wow. I guess, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, because people are always sort of dream hopping, right? They see somebody and say, I want to be just like that, or that's what I need to do now, and this and that, whenever they haven't gotten in touch with who they are as a person yeah. to be able to create the outcome they actually want. Yeah, what are you bringing to the table that's different, you know? So it's like there's, there's, I mean, look, why are, so there's, we got this rise of influencers, right? By the way, a lot of influencers are looking for jobs now, aren't they? Because, you know, you're, they're like, you know, you can't stop trying to redo these viral concepts that somebody else did, you know? Just keep being authentic, putting your stuff out there and seeing, you know, who the right audience is going to pick up on that. And that's okay. If you're a chef, you have a great restaurant, not everyone's going to like your food. Not everyone's a Taylor Swift fan. She's got a lot of fans. Not everyone's a fan, but she's going to keep continue to be Taylor Swift, right? Why are you looking at her like that? <laughs> She's like a huge Taylor Swift fan. I'm like, ah, I've heard it over and over again. Like before we got on the podcast, she was singing Taylor Swift. I was like, Jesus. I am not the biggest one. (laughs) (laughs) Who's the biggest? Chris likes Taylor Swift even more, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is it. I cannot wait. Do you know who Travis Kelsey is? Is that her boyfriend? Close. Almost. Maybe. We don't know yet. Oh, my God. a football player. Okay. Okay. Jesus. Have you heard all that drama yet? No, I don't. So I'm not privy to news. I don't have cable. I, I don't have any news, news or my social media feeds. I don't know anything. Yeah, I get it from listening to pop culture podcasts. So. <laughs> anyway, she's a football player now, so like everybody's excited to go to the ball games because Taylor Swift's gonna be there. But cool. Ball games. Okay, we're just gonna keep going. Anyway. Uh, so over to leverage. So obviously, you help yeah. people find sort of their passion and be able to to produce that. Where that's where you get the L for language. What about leverage? 
so leverage systems, tools, and people in the first in that order actually. So when I work with business people, we kind of look at their systems. How do you do stuff? And it's usually whenever because most of the people I work with are biz they they have no time left. They're like, oh my god, I hit a ceiling. Where do I go from here? Right. And it's usually the question, the leveraging question is, what system, tool, or person do I not have that if I had this, I wouldn't have to be doing this thing right now. So for example, I just got off with somebody that um, working on putting training programs in place for his virtual assistants. He's like, wow, I have such a high turnover. And then he keeps doing the same thing over and over again. So I said, do you have a system in place for your training? No. Well, here's a process to put a system together for your training. And then by the way, your next VA will do it and then record some videos and document your systems, record some videos. Here's how I do everything. And now it's in the box. Now you can hand it over and say, here's how I do it. And by the way, here's what I do it with. So a new lead comes in. Do you have a CRM? Do you put it in there? How's that work? So what tools are you using around that? You know, and then it's everything's everything's all connected. So it's if you're doing something that's not in your top 20%, that's not in your income producing activities or things that you don't like, what system tool or person do I not have that if I had that, I wouldn't have to do this thing right now? So and it's usually starting with systems. Once all your systems are good. So, I mean, here's something we can all understand. A recipe. Do you guys cook? Uh, it's, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's a difference when you follow a recipe than, oh man, every time I make this lasagna, I make it different every time. Well, do you have a written recipe? No. That's a system. Okay. Something in writing, something is documented as a system. Then you need your tools. What are you going to do it with? Well, I need my pan. I need my stove, my oven. Uh, I need all my cooking tools. Exactly. Whatever you're going to do, whatever tools you need. And then once you have those things, you can hand it over to somebody, right? So we all know Bobby Flay. We all know Emeril Lagasse, right? These TV chefs. How do they have so many restaurants? Are they in all of those kitchens? They're not. They're not in all those kitchens. But they've set up systems, tools, and people to be able to reproduce what they do. So no matter where you go, when you get a Subway Hero, you get the Cold Cut Trio, it's going to be the same everywhere. Why? Because they've got all that stuff in place. Um, so it's being able to, and that's how franchises work. They've created systems that you're willing to pay for so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And uh, so many businesses don't have this stuff. People like you and I, we're like, let's start a business. Yay, I have a passion. I want to create this new business. Boom. And then our passion and talent gets us so far, and all of a sudden there's not enough time left in the day. How do we go from here? You're a business and investing, right? Yeah. So how do I go from here? So now, you're, man, I have a system of how I research the data, of how I make the phone call. And now if I document that, I, and then I have the tools that I use. I have my CRM. I have my dialer. I have you know all those things that you're using. You can now hand that over in a box. Now you can hire somebody to do that stuff. Right. And then you can go out there, go out in boats, go to the beach, drink more beer, play more golf, whatever you want to do. And that's what I'm passionate. I, I love it when people say, hey, you don't work a lot. And I'm like, you're correct. I don't. Because that's what I'm passionate about, setting up a world that you love. And by the way, all the work that you choose to do, you should enjoy that. So in your business... And sometimes we become our own assistants. If you don't have an assistant, you are one. If you don't have a marketing person, you are one. Listen, if you really enjoy doing your marketing stuff, then don't leverage that off. If you don't like it, you know, get somebody to do it. You know, either put a system in place. Here's how I do it. Train somebody or subcontract your way out of it. And it's just um, leverage is leverage is huge. That's the number one. That's the number one difference maker in somebody getting from where they are to where they want to be uh, with because you can't add more time in the day. So how do we do more with less time? Absolutely, yeah. And a lot of times you see young entrepreneurs are new to their business. They'll structure it where it virtually can't be scaled, right? They, they're not doing the pieces they enjoy. They just have it built out where it's this big time-consuming machine that is at a cap. 
you mm-hmm. come in and help people restructure things like that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, when I go in there, uh, the first thing I do is and, and for an existing business, and typically I work with existing businesses, mostly solo entrepreneurs that are like, uh, I have this, you know, I started this business and, you know, it, it's going really well and now I'm going nuts and I'm having to do all these things. So we do like an organizational audit. I look into their systems, tools and people. I see where I can make suggestions and recommendations for them to imply on their own. And that's, and then I have I have three options. You know, I'll do like the do-it-yourself option, which is like coaching only. Hey, here's what you need to do. Go do that. And then we hold them accountable to the goals each week. Did you do this? Did you do that? Then I have the done with you option where we collectively go back and forth and do things and I help them kind of put the stuff in place. And then I've recently put into place a done for you option, which is for the people that says, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this at all. Do it for me. And so even my done for you option, I'm still not doing it. I'm still leveraging that out, right? So if someone's like, I don't want to do my social media. I don't want to do my social media marketing. I want you to do it for me. So I'll be like, okay, great. We'll take care of that for you. You charge them a lot more money and then you pass it along to, you know, like Katarina that that does that for a living, you know? So, right. well, but you know, otherwise I'll say, hey, go talk to this person and get it done. Oh, you want me to do everything for you? Because I'll tell you in, in my position, you know, and I know this happens to Paul all the time. We talk about it. We get offered like people like, hey, how much would it cost you to have you come into my company and do it. And then if you're not careful, you'll end up being the CEO of some company that you don't want to work at. Or you'll all of a sudden now you're back to the corporate and you've got to be willing to say no to stuff. You got to be willing to say no to some things and be super clear on where you want to be in order to say yes to things that you really, really like and really love and you know people you really want to work with. Yeah, I went through a phase in my young beginning ages of uh, business that I was like a yes man. I'd say yes to everything, which taught me a lot until I decided like, hey, now that I know what I'm looking at, I need to start saying no. No is now yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah. That's, you know, I, had, I had an old coach and he said – and this is when I so when I ran my company, it's a little story. When I, I had my office and I was um I was running the company and I loved it, man. I, well, I loved half of it. I loved people development. I loved helping people grow. I didn't like all the back end politics of running a company and dealing with all like the little stuff. And I felt a little stifled. And I was having to say people were offering me more speaking engagements, and I had to tell them no. And my coach at the time said, Chris, what are you saying? What are you saying yes to that's making you have to say no to doing shit you really want to do? And I said it's really having this company. So that's when I decided to pull the plug on that, retire from company leadership and just go on my own. And that was a rough road. So I was making a lot of money, had a real cushy job that I built for myself, but it was just that. And uh, to follow the passion of being, I wanted to work with everybody. I wanted to be able to say yes to the stuff I really wanted to. And that requires you to say no to other things. And it's even with that. And even though I'm so clear, I still, I got this thing I'm working on now about being a, I have this opportunity to be the American liaison for a Panamanian builder. And I put together a proposal and they reached back out to me and I, yeah, I said to Aaron, I'm like, this, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to take this thing on? It's, it's not about the money all the time. It's because one of the things is you'll have to be willing to say no to some pretty big paychecks sometimes in order to stay in alignment with the life you want to have. And yeah. that's okay. It's one of the biggest things the course. You, you showed me and taught me that, because you're very in line with that. I've seen some big paydays <laughs> to maintain your lifestyle. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> my bank account doesn't always love it, but I think, you know, like I tell my clients, consider that you can have both of these things. Because I remember when I was a young real estate salesperson, I went up to a guy named David. He was in my office, and he was like a top producer in my office at Remax at the time. And he had such a nice family. We were at the holiday party, and he was a top producer. And I said, hey, David, it's, man, how do you do? You have this wonderful family, and you spend all this time with them, and you have this, you know, you have this great business. 
how do you do both these things? And he's like, no, it's one or the other. You really got to choose. And I was like, oh, that just hurt me. I'm like, so he's missing weekends with his kids. He's not spending time with his wife. And I remember being in that position. I was probably 26 years old, 25 years old, your age, saying, man, that can't be choose one or the other, man, it can't be. And then I was really started to believe that. Like, do I have to really, is it really that if you're really rocking and rolling in business, your life is a mess, or if you're, you know, you're giving everything to your kids and stuff. So that's why I really liked doing what I was doing, because I got to spend time with my kids when they were young and growing up. I mean, now they're teenagers. They don't want to hang out with me so much, so I'm getting back on the road speaking, (laughs) right? So it's just consider that every season of your life, there's something. It's not always going to be the same, and you're going to be able to apply focus to different areas. And this idea of a balanced life is sort of a fallacy. It's really a series of counterbalances. And, you know, I really don't make a distinction between work-life balance. And once I kind of tore down that wall, that living belief, like, what do you mean work-life balance? It's all the same. Work is part of my life because I love my life. I love my work. It's all encompassing. You live one um, life. Yeah. And that's, that's what it is. It's just kind of go and do it. And sometimes you're going to work a 12-hour day. And sometimes you're going to hit golf balls off of a boat into nowhere and drink some beer, and that's okay, too. Sometimes you're going to borrow a shirt that's too small for you. Whatever. Oh, come on. <laughs> we should post the picture at the bottom of this thing. <laughs> we are not the same size. Yeah, well, yeah, it's okay. You know, solid medium, I get it. it depends. Erin's uh, <laughs> laughing over here. But uh, yeah, it's. I think, you know, it's just kind of – I think very few people are able to kind of create something where they love it all around and like, hey, man, I'm doing stuff I love all the time. And even in that, there's going to be moments that you don't like. Yeah. Absolutely. So for people that are just getting into having their own business and building something for themselves, what would you tell them to kind of figure out what that is? Like how would they figure out who they want to be? So, well, here's an interesting thing. It's thinking about the, the que- and talking about language and the questions that we ask ourselves. Uh, one of the questions I, I ask people is, you know, you go to these networking events and people will tell you what they do or what they want to do. I always say, well, what kind of result are you looking to achieve in the world? So if you're going to work with people, who are they going to become as a result of meeting you and working with you after they work with you? So take a real estate salesperson, for example. What do they do? They sell houses. So very few real estate people, when I go up to them, say, okay, when you sell a house, what result are you looking to achieve in the person that buys that house? What feelings are they going to have? What about a person that sells a house? We're all playing two different games in our business. We're either solving a problem or a challenge. We're either providing a solution to a challenge or we're producing a good feeling. And I think in reverse engineering that and designing what kind of result do I want to achieve and then who do I come as a result of doing that and how do I feel about that? And saying if you have the perfect customer or client, you've accomplished your goal through them, you've changed your life and they're telling somebody else about it, what sorts of things do they say about you and your company? And whatever that is, now okay great, now how can we cause that to happen? So by starting with the end in mind, what kind of change do you want to make in the world or in the people you work with and how can I create that? How can I cause that to happen? That's the most important thing. It's not a matter of what your function is. You could be a plumber or you could be a dentist. I don't care what that is. What result are they looking to achieve in the people? And that's a solution to a problem or a good feeling. I, that's what I tell everybody. Yeah, start with the end in mind because everybody knows what they want to do. I want to create this business or this and this is what I want to do. Well, who are you doing it for? Uh, and people aren't asking the who questions enough. Right. You know? All right. Give me the last L. We got language, leverage. 
Leadership? Leadership. <laughs> yeah, leadership, yeah. When people think about leadership, they think about somebody, you know, kind of from a stage or dictating, you know, like, or a boss dictating to what you do. And uh, leadership is much more of the influence you have on other people. That comes in all forms. And it's powerful. And, I mean, we see it all over social media. Our kids are being raised by TikTok. And uh, they're <laughs> kind of following they're kind of following these leaders that are, you know, saying, hey, how much sour candy can I eat in 30 seconds and stuff like that. <laughs> but it's how are you showing up to people and are you the type of person that people want to follow? And I say that sometimes a lot of leaders don't recognize. They don't recognize their leadership capabilities. And I remember a mentor of mine, Sean Rawls, said, how do you know you're a leader? Because I was like, I used to tell him, I'm no leader. I'm no leader. They kept entertaining me for this position. I said, I'm no leader. He's like, yeah. I'm like, I'm, yeah, you are. How am I a leader? He's like, you know how you know you're a leader if people follow you? And I was like, oh. So again, in that result, are people following you? And a lot's giving it to you. Now, and then there's this idea of servant leadership. Now, leadership to me is helping as many people possible get what they want. And that's not always easy. But for me, I've built a whole business on just leading people to be a better version of themselves, have a better life. And that's, and then for me, if I'm able to do that in someone's life or help them do it, because everyone's holistic, they do the work themselves. But if, if I can just motivate them or be the catalyst that causes them to do the thing that they need to do, then that's me doing my job, right? So. Pat Riley helped Michael Jordan become the best basketball player possible. And uh, that was, he was accomplishing his purpose, you know, through his leadership. And a lot of time with coaching, I told my daughter one time, she was crying. She said, they got this new soccer coach years ago, this Jamaican guy named Harlan, and he was tough, man. And she'd be crying and she was, oh, he's so hard on us. And I said, you guys were in last place in the league. I said, now you're in second place. I said, what's the job of your coach? Well, to help us become a better soccer team. Well, is that happening? Yes case closed it's a great leader not necessarily liked they didn't like him but you know it's good leaders are not necessarily some people you need to go out there and and you're going to want to share an ice cream cone with or something but (laughs) are they are you is the goal being accomplished and uh yeah my leadership style is definitely one of um subservient kind of servant leadership and uh i'm always looking say hey what can i do for you and i think it's important that we make deposits into people's lives around us and we catch doing people good. One of the things that I see in organizations is this kind of disconnect between leadership and staff, for example, where every time they hear from their leadership, it's punitive, or there's a meeting and what's going wrong, the problems and things like that, and uh, where there there's no structures, there's processes set up to catch people doing things right. One of the things, I just had a conversation with, um, I think it was Deirdre, we were talking about this, Deirdre Vervo, in our group, the other day saying there's a model I have called the cash talk k-a-s-h and there's a worksheet for it cash k is knowledge a is attitude s is skills and h is habits so when you have people you just have this regular kind of cadence of accountability every week you meet with somebody hey what changed in terms of your knowledge this week what are you finding that you need to know to be a high performer in this particular position what changed in terms of your attitude what do you still need to know right your skills habits same thing and then it's always kind of saying well you know here's what you're doing great here's where you're great in life and by the way here's your goals and I see this potential for you and by the way potential is not always a good thing because that means you're not doing it and good leaders see potential in other people. Good leaders see things in you that you might not see in yourself. I know that happened to me over and over in my life where I'm just like, I'm like, really, me? Oh, yeah, we think you'd be great at this. Really, me? Uh, no, I'm the, I'm the two-hour lunch guy. I want no responsibility. <laughs> Don't hand me an office to run. 
but it's really caring about the people and caring about the people enough to help them realize the potential that you see in them and that's not always a comfortable thing and it's an ongoing process you kind of never arrive as a great leader I mean it's something that you can always develop and you can even in your within your own family and within your own family and within your circle of friends and your sphere of influence it's being a leader are you the person that everyone's looking to where are we going to go to lunch <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Wow. Are you a good, some good leaders will say, this is where we're going to lunch and everyone listens. And other good leaders will say, well, you know, we'll ask questions around that and figure out, okay, well, let me help you decide what the best place to go to lunch is. And that's my approach to leadership is kind of helping people decide, make their own decisions and be comfortable with those decisions and recognize people's strengths and being able to help them shine a light on areas where they can improve for their own good, not for my good, but for their own good, for their own life, for their own business. Have you gone through a lot of coaching and training yourself to be able to better your skills in this arena, like how you talk about cash or the three L's or things like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so nonstop. And that's really where I started to really learn this stuff. I got it's So for me, stepping into a leadership role where other people were relying on me to guide and help them, Every book I read, I took it differently. It was like reading a book for someone else because I might need this for someone else or taking a class. Every class I take, I might need to share this with somebody else later. I might not need this for myself now. And so many times, even now, I'll be talking to people. And I mean, I didn't graduate college. I was an intro class major. I'm like, what am I ever going to do with anthropology? And literally, things I learned in that intro to anthropology class in college, these words would fly out of my mouth and help inspire somebody to do something, to change something in their life. So school is never out for the motivated, constantly learning. I'm reading books. I'm listening to people. I'm, you know, like I have coaches myself and uh, I roll with um, a community of pretty high level thinkers. Um, and I enjoy the differences of opinion. I don't like to hang out with people that feel and think and believe the same things that I do. I like to be challenged with those things. I like to think at a higher level. I like to be able to have those conversations and my favorite thing in life is to hear something and say, wow, I didn't know that that was a thing, right? So you, we go to these, we go to the roundtable council and then somebody will talk about, they'll put their hot seat question out there, talk about their business. And you're like, shit, I didn't know that was a thing until right now. I didn't know that that existed, yeah. right? Little things, you know, like. Just, Why you love Aaron, huh? <laughs> well, well, that is a different thing. That's a different thing entirely. But um, you know, and, and um, it's, it's interesting. She's a person that said she she thought for a long time that everybody just thought the way that she did, and um, just the, kind of this idea that you know nobody thinks things the same. And being able to get down to the bottom of it and uncover those things and saying, well, what are what is underneath the surface here? What makes this person tick? And yeah, that was a huge just impact being able to see well. it. Yeah, right? And you're so young, and I'm glad you get that. I mean, how old are you now, 25, 26? I'm 25, yeah. 25, quarter century crisis. Yep, I was married, cranking out my first kid at your age. Whoa, easy there. Yeah, I'm not ready. Safe this month. No, no, I'm just saying, yeah. I mean, I got married, yeah, I got married at 22. I think my first daughter, she's 17 now, Aaliyah, and uh, it's, that's another thing, man. Like, so you're getting it, you get it so young, which is good, because if I could go back to my 25-year-old self, I would definitely look at things differently. And that's one of the things we want to teach our kids, man. It's like, if you could just, if you could just get these little concepts and nuances and see the world through these lenses and hear it through these filters, your man, life would be, life would be a lot better and a lot more delicious. Yeah, because it teaches you how to look through other lenses, right? If you actually treat it like a lens or... I call it always looking at the world as third-party positioning, right? So that way I'm not looking through my lens, you know. But everybody has their own lens, their own take on a situation. Yeah, and how can you see it from their perspective? And seeing it 
and that's an interesting thing, you know, and they're like things that you like that you don't get at all, right? So it's like I remember I was watching this program on Netflix where there was this guy that was like a, a KKK wizard. He was like a white supremacist leader. And this guy that was a black pastor like befriended him and he was just curious to understand his perspective and why are you like this? And the guy even lent him the church bus to like for KKK rallies and they became friends and it's just interesting hearing these guys talk to each other just coming from a place of curiosity. And one of the things that I always say is always come from curiosity and not from judgment. And uh, your life will be more rich that way. And you'll learn so much more. And it's just seek first to understand. Mm-hmm. Always. Yeah, and it's understanding comes in all different levels. I like wow. that. Yeah, that is pretty awesome. So entrepreneurs I, <laughs> I talk to, most everybody talks about front-loading your day. But you're the only person I know that like is so true and congruent to that. Like I know mm-hmm. anytime I stay with you or something like that, you were already on the shows and everything, like first thing in the morning, 6, 7 o'clock, and yeah. then you were done by 10 or 11 each day. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I started doing stuff earlier and earlier, and I think having kids started making me do things earlier, and then I was like, wait, what if I can wake up even earlier and do more stuff? So my business is talking, as you know, and so most of my day, when I'm on, I'm teaching a class, giving a presentation, or I'm coaching. That's what I'm doing. So Outside of that, other things need to get done. So I need to do my administrative things when I'm not during peak talking time. So if I'm going to be starting to talk to people or have coaching clients from 8 o'clock, you know, at 6.30, 7 o'clock, I'm going to start doing some administrative things. So I like to wake up early. I like to walk barefoot on the ground every morning. I like to see the sunrise if I can. I like to listen to, watch some fun things. I like music. You know, I really, I like sunrise. Like, you know, this morning I'm I'm sunrise, you know. It's funny because in my day I have so many sunrise pictures, you know. So, yeah, sunrise this morning. Yay, sunrise with a little ocean. Uh, and just wake up, eat a jalapeno, and then go look at the sunrise. That's right, yeah. <laughs> eat a jalapeno. Yeah, that's what we call those. <laughs> so, yeah, that's – I do like to do that, and I do my best. And also keeping my afternoons when I, when I became independent, most presentations were happening. I was getting last-minute bookings a lot, and – Sometimes if I had something scheduled in the afternoon, I'm like, oh, man, I can't do that. So I do most of my presentations and stuff in the afternoon, or if I have a like a full-day speaking engagement, I move stuff around. But it's part – in the afternoons, I was picking up my kids from school. In the afternoons, I was leaving open just in case I had an impromptu speaking engagement. And also, too, when people schedule things – you could control your calendar. Like, when are people allowed to schedule you to talk to you? And not being so reactive. It's, and I laugh at myself now because even I have nothing to do today. And if something pops on my calendar after this, I'll be like, I'll almost get annoyed by it. And I'm like, are you really going to get annoyed by having having to talk to somebody for 30 minutes that you're getting paid for? You know, but, but yeah, it's I really like front loading the day. And we look at the energies. There's uh, mental energy. There's business energy. There's emotional energy. There's spiritual energy. And there's physical energy. So even I like to eat well and exercise. If I do, I haven't been exercising, but do that in the morning and, you know, some and meditate or pray and hug, kiss, laugh and love. I like to have a belly laugh every morning before I talk to anybody. You know, laugh at something, and uh, it's just and people are just live their lives so reactively and instead of scheduling all the stuff that's important to them. But sometimes we schedule things that are we think are important to other people. A lot of people are living their lives for other people, and so Absolutely. it's. Yeah, it's a you gotta. Rarely are we like, hey, what do I really want to do? And (laughs) I want to play video games for a living, so let me do that. I was playing video games yesterday in the middle of the afternoon in between appointments. (laughs) I'm 42 years old. I was playing video games. That is amazing. My friend was laughing at me. He called me. He's like, "Are you playing video games?" I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "It's one o'clock." I'm like, "I know." Did you like blow the dust off of a Nintendo or something, or what? (laughs) 
Uh, no, man, we got the PS5, but I'm reviving an old games that I had from the PS4, and I'm playing them again. It's really a lot of fun, so. That's cool. <laughs> the Nintendo. Huh? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So, And I agree with that. A lot of people live their life reactively or with an urgency mindset, right? Like whenever something pops up, they have to address it right there. There's no scheduling involved. There's no, no ideology behind why they're doing it. They just know it popped up. They have to address it. Even with the phones, like salespeople with their phones, I got to be able, like, you know, the picture of the salesperson, I like they're on their phone. They're like, I'm available 24 seven. No, you're not. So now you've just set an unrealistic expectation. So you feel the pressure to take that phone call all the time. If my phone rings and it's not on my calendar, I don't pick it up. You know, we were at the bank yesterday, you know, when I missed, we missed this appointment, we're at the bank doing the stuff and they're like, oh, we'll, we'll give you a call when this stuff is ready. And I was like, okay. And Aaron's like, you better call me because he's not going to pick up your phone. Because he's not going to pick up his phone. And, and they're absolutely right. It's what time are you going to call? Let me put it on the calendar. So then it's not being a slave to that and yeah. being able to control and being understand. It's okay. We'll talk tomorrow. We'll talk tomorrow morning when I dictate it. And you know what? The sky's not going to fall down. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, my sister now has her phone, which she'll probably come around to some sort of scheduling methodology. But now she just put it on do not disturb to, to crank yeah. out of that urgency mindset, right? Mm-hmm. It's just consistent across the board right now. Yeah, so I have an autoresponder on my cell phone. If somebody calls and I automatically respond with a text message saying, I can't talk to you right now. Here's a link to schedule a call. And it redirects them to a link where I choose them. You know, and then they'll schedule a call for tomorrow morning when I want to talk to them. And then sometimes, you know, I'm texting or emailing to confirm that call. They're like, oh, I resolved the problem. Great. So, you know, it was important to you at the time. It was going to disrupt my day. I don't care if I was drinking beer or playing golf. I'm not picking up your call. <laughs> All right. People are like, oh, what were you doing that was so important? It doesn't matter. It was important to me, you know. So yeah, but so even just like that, like how you have an autoresponder set up on your phone to help structure that. That's what a lot of business owners need help with. Like I was like, man, I would yeah. love to do that. Like just that, little nuance. That is like a, that. exactly that's a system, you know. So and uh, that's a system, and I make everybody schedule calls, and it tells you a lot about. It tells you a lot about people. It's so so many times somebody will schedule a call, and I'll be like, well. We had a call scheduled for now, and, well, it's now, and you're not here. So even, like, so part of my sales process, I do a 30-minute discovery or strategy call with people, and they'll schedule it, and they get one of those, and it says it on my landing page. You get one of these. If you miss it or you don't reschedule it with, you know, I tell you, you can reschedule it anytime before the appointment. Within an hour before, reschedule it, no problem. If you miss it, you don't get another one. People will try to schedule another one, and if they try to go to that link a second time and they try to schedule a call and they've already scheduled a call, it asks for a credit card. So yeah. you get one free one. Yeah, next time it asks you for a credit card, and it's 350 bucks for 30 minutes. So that's someone that really wants – you know, that's you want people to take your time seriously. And one of the things – I try to help everybody take their time seriously, value your time, value yourself, but you have to do it for yourself in order to help other people do it. And people will respect that. And people don't need to talk to you 24 seven, but they need to know that if I schedule, you schedule a call on me for two o'clock, your phone's going to ring at two o'clock and I'm going to be on the other end of that phone. So you know that I have that level of integrity. So you have to have it too. Absolutely. And that's the people I want to work with. Yeah. That is amazing. I know you've built lots of things for, for different companies and such like funnels and and all the systems that you understand, can you dive into some of the intricate things that small businesses probably need in their life? They just don't know about it. Yeah, so the technologies around it. And this is stuff that I did for myself. This is stuff that I did for myself, and I realized how important it is for other businesses. Like, for example, um, I have a buddy that's a personal injury attorney, and uh, he's like, he's all hard copy. He's like, I got to go through... He's like, I got to go through all of my folders. First of all, let's talk about the biggest opportunity for any business. Your past clients, the people you already know. Everyone's looking for that new 
I want to generate new leads. Well, what about the people that you already have? Let's start nurturing that. And so that's where kind of using having a system for nurturing and then having a tool to help do your nurturing. So which could be like a CRM or what kind of, are we keeping in touch with drip campaigns? Are we doing live events? Are we doing am I phone calling them? Now, as far as uh, as far as lead generation levers for new clientele, it's helping businesses identify something that's going to get people interested in working with them. So again, reverse engineering what you have to offer. If you are a real estate agent and you want to find sellers, people that are thinking about selling, it's how do we create an offer that's and target people that are thinking about selling? What's it look like? What's the language around that look like? Is it enticing? And for something like that, when you have an expensive service like that, people aren't going to buy from you like on the spot. So like, right, nobody signs up for a coaching program. Nobody signs up for an expensive coaching program through a sales funnel, but they're going to download the 10 time management tips, download the Maverick time worksheet. I saw Paul did that the other day, right? So having this kind of simple thing, because what is one of the things I can help people with? Time management. Great. So I'm going to put out there something for time management tips. I'm going to put out there, here, do this. Here's this worksheet. Here, here's your team culture worksheet, right? Because I work with, I help people with teams and stuff like that. So I'll design an offer that will get somebody into my world, into my ecosystem, and then I'll communicate with them through that and invite them to events and, and you know, sign up for this and sign up for that come to this free thing and over time then people get to know who you are and see if they want to work with you that goes for any business so i'm working on you know we bartend at this tiki hut at a golf course so some people we know just bought this golf course and we bartend one night a week at the tiki and it's a lot of fun and the people that there's 1700 homes in this community and called winston trails and people that oh they don't even know it's there and I was telling I keep telling them I'm like hey we can do a free appetizer offer or a happy hour offer we can geo target single landing page boom free appetizer offer and then people all we need is a name and email address and then boom they get a free coupon for an appetizer but now maybe they don't come in for that free appetizer right away but now you have their name and their email address their phone number so now we could create email drip campaign a text message drip campaign invite them to events do like they're having a grand opening it's a grand opening. The grand opening, I think, is tonight. The grand opening is tonight. And oh, all they be late. <laughs> yeah, so all they did, they posted on Facebook. But I'm like, they could have done an ad. Uh, say they had a CRM. Say all these people, say 100 people signed up for a free appetizer. Or they could do a geofenced ad and like put it out there. So this is the stuff I help people with on the lead generation side of it. And on the language side of it, how are we communicating with them? So like let's communicate with them constantly. Let's do these things because it's over time. It's not like a microwave it's not an easy button like you instantly have business. Some the sales cycle sometimes is is longer. I mean, you can ask Paul about this. How right. how many people are living in Paul's CRM that he's you know doing the meet and greets and inviting them to these things? Oh, they invited he invites these people to a Maverick Success Live eight times and they didn't come and then they do come right and then that's right. when the magic happens. So it's a lot of times you're too close to your business you can't zoom out and see those things. Like my personal injury attorney. It's like, hey, could we do a search ad for people? We could do an expensive search ad on Google where you, for looking for search terms, people that are looking for car accidents, personal injury attorneys, boom. Now your stuff pops up, pay-per-click. Now you've got super targeted, fill out for information. They could schedule a call. It pops up on your calendar. So one of the first questions I ask people is like, what if your calendar is just filled up with people that scheduled themselves to talk to you on a Zoom about what you have to offer? Oh, that'd be great. Awesome. I can help you with that. Here's how it goes. Here's how we do that, right? It's, a, it's but people don't get that. 
<laughs> but Absolutely, that's yeah. that's a tools end of it. So here's the goal we want to accomplish. What can we have in our world to help us do it? You know, and I've gone through different CRMs, and I always say use as little technology as possible. People. Can is there some you don't want to have all these different systems, right? So you don't want to have this and that. Can I have one thing that does everything I needed to do, or do they communicate with each other? Because that's real annoying when that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I got one system for calendaring. I got one system for blast emails. I got one system for landing pages, and then my website is on something else. It's like what, 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 what's going on? Yes, they have to well, communicate or all be together. One of the two. Sure, <laughs> for sure, for sure. That's a big undertaking. Well, Chris, with all this. Where is the best place everybody can communicate with you? How do we get access to the link? And is your role-playing or anything like that public access? Yeah, so I have um, chrisabazis.com is kind of like my link tree, if you will. That's uh, just a website I created that's got everything. I could put it in the chat here. chrisabazis.com goes here, dreamkeyconsulting.com slash quick links. And there, I'm also a partner in a multimedia company. You know, we do video production, and yeah. that's because I'm a video guy. That's a lot of fun. So I have all the stuff there to Sky Limitless Media, to DreamKey, the things that I'm doing. You could schedule a call. You could find me on social media. I'm pretty easy to find to get in contact with. And it's me managing all the stuff. I don't have – people always think that when I talk to people sometimes, they're like, oh, that was actually you I was talking to on Instagram. I'm like, yeah. They're like, oh, I thought it was your people. I'm like, I don't have – I am the people. Yeah, that's me talking to you directly. That's so, benefit of yeah. leverage and tools. Yeah, come find me. Um, come find me. I'm out there. I'm out and about. And uh, yeah, come for a visit. You guys got to come for a visit down here soon. I know it's yeah. going to get cold up. It's going to get. Wait, is it cold? You're wearing a sweatshirt, Katarina. Is it cold over because there in Alabama? It's hot outside, and Chris puts the AC at sixty. I want to sixty. <laughs> yeah, listen. Maybe you guys will move down here. Yeah, absolutely. You got any puppies left or pepper? We got Pepper, and we have one of the puppies, Macy. We kept one puppy, and my yeah. mom took the mother dog. Good it's man. a lot of fun. Yeah, Aww. it's uh, <laughs> Pepper. How's, how's Pepper? Yeah, Pepper misses you. She needs a good Chris rubbing. <laughs> That's awesome, my man. Well, man, I know the listeners have really enjoyed this. You went through a lot of details here about how people need to really work on themselves to be able to work on their business, right? Like a lot of it comes from yeah. us understanding what our actual goal is and knowing how to reverse engineer that to accomplish mm-hmm. it and then applying all the systems and tools that are needed to move it forward in a scalable manner. Yep, and then get people to do it when you're ready. That's it. It's, um, that's, I mean, I hit the nail on the head. I talk real fast. I'm from the Northeast, if you can't tell by everything about me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was, it was good to be here on um, Bama Meets New York City or New York City Meets Bama. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> New York City Meets Bama. <laughs> Thank you for I like how us. you guys put New York City first, huh? Yeah, I know. I know. That's how it oh, look at Erin back there. We could see her in the mirror. Oh. Oh. Hey, Erin. Oh. Hi. Uh, they they can't hear you, but uh, she can't hear you. But they're, they're saying they said hello. <laughs> she was trying to hide, but she didn't realize there was a mirror right there. So gotcha. yeah, we're live. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. We'll see you soon. If you need anything else, just you know, feel free to let me know, and um, I'm gonna talk to you guys soon. I'm gonna send you a little link to fill out a little form so that we can go live a live broadcast with you guys. It'll be a lot of fun. All right. Sounds awesome. good, Chris. Appreciate Bye. you, man. All right. Bye. All right. So that was Chris. That was so much fun, and. He will have all of his stuff in the show notes. And, yeah, so follow us on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram at NYC Meets Bama. Oh, also TikTok. Wait, did I mention that already? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's 9 a.m. I'm so tired. But (laughs) (laughs) anyway, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Thank you. Bye.